I am the Dirty Dog Bundy, former NWA North American champion. And in a few weeks, we'll see Ric Flair defending the NWA World Heavyweight title against Kevin Von Erich. And I've been a former NWA champion, so I know the stress that Ric Flair is going through. And I had to pick Ricky Flair to retain the NWA title because he is the best athlete to be the NWA World Heavyweight Champion. I am Al Madrill Hills, and I have trained with Kerry Von Erich. I have battled Ricky Flair. I know them. I know that Kerry Von Erich will take the title and be the National Wrestling Alliance Heavyweight Champion. Look at my Elvis shirt. From the intersection of Sunset Boulevard and Pastry, Minnesota, Blue Dollar, Maine, Event, Status, Radio, with your host, Mr. Beverly Hills, 90210, and the Dirty Dog Welcome to Main Event Status Radio. Welcome back to Texas. Me and Dirty Dog Darcy have been rolling around, rolling, strutting and strolling, getting and going all through this last week in Texas. I tell you, we're beloved. We got the plaid suits. We got the cowboy hats. We're back at the Sportatorium. We're ready to talk more about world-class championship wrestling. What are your thoughts, Dirty Dirty Dog? I got my service bell a dinin. We are definitely a rainin. Besides our plaid suits, Jack, we are also landed on Mexican radio. <laughs> I'm excited. We've been rolling around, thrilling, in a rilling. I can't think of nothing clever. We've been throwing around in the Buick Century. People have been loving it. I found the old lady from last week. I got her number. After the podcast this week, Jack, her and I are going on the date. Oh, nice. You're not getting older. You're getting better. And I thought, um, you know, we just get better with age, Jack. That's why I thought I'd go for the older ladies. <laughs> and maybe, just maybe, I can bring her back from 1982 to 2014 when we're done with World Class in December of 82. <laughs> Fantastic. Wow. And I, Beverly Hills, I'm excited to get through this episode because of uh, Mountain Dew Code Red that I brought back from 2014 that I opened up last week before the show is getting a little bit warm. So let's <laughs> hurry up and finish do knock, knock this out because that Code Red's started to become Code uh, Agent Orange. Oh, brother. Yes. So just like last week, this is episode 52 from World Class Championship Wrestling on the network, WWE Network, that is, for Wednesday, December 15th. 1982, and on it, on the screen that kind of described what's going on, we'll see David Von Erich versus the Great Kabuki for the all-Asian title, Bugsy McGraw and Al Madrid versus Checkmate and Magic... Madrill. versus Checkmate and Magic Dragon, Flair vs. Von Erich preview. That's what we'll see here on World Class Championship Wrestling. Oh, I'm excited. I am too, Daddy O. Then and again, we we see the show opening theme song with classic opening music with the still shots and slow motion videos for this episode. <laughs> oh my God! You're hurting my ears. That's why I got it, Daddy O. So Bill Mercer welcomes us to the Dallas Sportatorium. And he puts over what we'll see on the card. We see a video package of the Magic Dragon coming in and taking on, take on taking out one of the Von Erichs and all. David. This is yes. David. David was facing Kabuki. He had the con, but Dragon came in and uh, started uh, taking on da- uh, David there. Yes. Then before then we go to a commercial break, and before, before that we see a, a PowerPoint slide of the matches, which... <laughs> Like I mentioned last week, we did not see that last week, but thankfully we see it this week. And on the PowerPoint slide, it said Killer Brooks 
versus Brian Adis. Adidas. 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 You got it. Checkmate in the Magic Dragon versus El Madrid and Bugsy McGraw. And for the all Asian title, the great Kabuki, the champion versus David Von Erich. Nice. And for our first event, Beverly Hills, is Killer Brooks versus Brian Adidas. Adis. Adidas. Adidas. <laughs> in a 10 minute time limit match. Who is the Killer Brooks, Jack? Killer Brooks is a, um, you know, wrestler who was a, a longtime territorial wrestler, mostly in Texas, but all through the southern states, um, you know, up into the Midwest even. And he's kind of always working this gimmick of just being, being kind of a hard, uh, hard living, hard nose, kind of roughneck guy. Um, yeah. And uh, this is probably best known in the Dallas area. So Yeah. Yeah, because I, I really don't remember seeing Killer Brooks outside of, of Dallas. Okay, yep. Yeah, he he had some time other places, but definitely best known in Dallas. I know we talked about Brian last week in the episode, but who do you really know much about Brian Adias or Alice or whatever how, <laughs> however he pronounces his last name? Well, again, uh, Brian Adias, he um, again is mostly known in the Texas area. Um, gains a lot of a more renown kind of later in the 80s into the early 90s as world class is kind of dying he's one of the the stars of the latter days um of world class um yeah just kind of a guy bounced back and forth between heel and face and uh yeah i guess at this time his whole deal is he's kind of coasting on a uh um Association with the Von Erics, so fair enough. So, so he's yeah. I noticed last week of the episode that he seemed to be a, a face. Yeah, during, yep. during, during this time. Yes. So we might as well get into the match. The first match of the night, Killer Brooks was Brian. What's his name? <laughs> and one thing I noted, which I like, when Brooks was introduced, he, he was booed. Okay. Yeah. And I noted with a hair and beard like that. Who would want? Who would want to hate him? Hate him? Who would want to hate him? You think he looks like a face with a beautiful beard and a beautiful set of hair that he had, Beverly Hills? I might shave a little bald spot on top of my head and grow up my hair and beard just like him because, to me, that's a baby face apparel right there. Oh my! I was gonna say he's got a skullet. He has, um, like a hairy back. He looks like a total heel. You're I, crazy. I got a hairy bag, Jack. So what's the problem? <laughs> oh, I don't. I don't even want to. I do, just really don't even want to know. Okay, what I I just like. I really really like. You know, I can tell this was from the '80s with his '80s '80s style of haircut. You know, kind of long. You know, with a skull kind of coming in. You know, mm-hmm. that nice full beard. I really liked him. <laughs> so yeah, we might as well get into this matchup. Brooks put the boots down on Adias Atlas. What is his Brian? What's his name? Yes, and put him in some uh, snap mares and such, working on him hard and all. And I feel like this match seemed to be pretty slow paced. Um, yeah, and I think this is kind of Brooks's mo here. You know, he's just gonna kind of grind in the headlocks. He's gonna um, just kind of work those kind of moves. I did notice that uh, Bill said that Brooks has been in wars forever. And I was like, whoa! Forever? That, that explains good. a lot. He looks good for having been in wars for the history of time. Yes. You know, because like what you said, I noticed, you know, this match seemed, you know, tell the, from opening to the closing, it seemed like this match was pretty slow from a, you know, they did a few moves, a side headlock was applied, you know, they break from each other, they, pay, you know, they walked around the ring, kind of paced each other, each other up, on each other up, then they do the next set of moves, side headlock, and break. Yeah, yeah. They got into a long test of strength, double-handed, um, 
to the point where it looked like they were gonna do a little to each other. <laughs> they got like hand to hand, then they kind of got like head to head, and I was like, I think we're gonna get some. Uh, I think we're going to get some lip-lock action. I think we might be getting really progressive here in 1982, but alas. You know, uh, Killer, killer I, kicked Adidas in the gut. Talk about, you know, kiss her, kiss her, forehead to forehead. We see the beautiful old lady that we saw from last <laughs> week in the yellow shirt, in front row, cheering on the faces. Right I on. was so happy to see her once again, Beverly Hills. I don't get older, I get better. <laughs> and... And like I said in the show opening, you know, I got her number. <laughs> Hopefully, I have a more of a of a road report next week. Oh my! Oh God, I don't want to talk about road anything. Road report, jeez. Or would you rather have a rogue report, Jack? I don't want any riding reports from you, sir. Well, that's fine. You and Mrs. Hills can drive the Buick, and you know, you guys can be in the front seat when and better with age, and I can be in the back, Jack. <laughs> Okay, good stuff. All right. If need, so, if need be, we'll move to the trunk. Oh God. Um. <laughs> ooh, ooh, ooh. Can we? Yeah, there's a rope. Yeah, I know. My next note was there's a rope break and some more pacing and staring each other down. Yep. Adidas throws another. Oh no! I I just did the Bill Mercer line. Adidas did another uh, really nice drop kick. He's throwing really good drop kicks these last two matches. Um, on to a Brooks. I did notice that. Good. Yeah, I know, yeah, Brooks slapped on a sled headlock and went for the eyes, and the ref got after him about it, which I appreciate. Yes. That's one thing I wish that the referees nowadays would do, is actually get after the heels for breaking the rules. David was all over the place on this one, David Manning. Then, uh, yeah, Adidas, Brooks, or what? Uh, Brian, what's his name, hit a drop kick, which I really liked. Yep. Mm-hmm. Do you have anything up to the finish of this match, Beverly? Um, yeah, just some good punches back and forth. Uh, yeah, and you go, you do the finish because I don't know how to exactly describe okay. it. The finish came when Brooks scored the pin by the ropes and held them for the for leverage. A second referee came down from back. A Bronco. A Bronco. Not just any second referee, sir. Bronco Lubich. Bronco Lubich came down from backstage and told. The original referee about what David happened, Manning. David Manning, and, <laughs> and David Manning reversed the decision, saying it was a disqualification, and Brian, what's his name, won by disqualification. I love before he goes over and he raises Adidas's hand, Brooks is like begging David Manning, just like, no, no, come on, come on, just, just keep it the same. I like that wins and losses matter, that people really want to win. You know, it's not okay for the heel just to, like, get DQ and be like, I'm going to the locker room. No, he's like, no, I want the winner's paycheck. Raise my hand. And then after he raised Adidas' hand, uh, Bill drops this awesome line. He goes, there he is, the loser, killer Tim Brooks. <laughs> yes, which which I love Bill, Mer- Bill Mercer for that. Calling him out. <laughs> It just oh, there he is, the loser. <laughs> so Beverly Hills, I rated this match three eighths of a star. I am going one and one quarter. Yeah, you know, kind of like I mentioned a little bit before, I was very, very bored with the match. You know, it just seemed like it was very, very dry for me, which was hard for me to get into. But the fin- what happened at the finish, turned it around for me, which I had to give it some kind of rating. You know, with the heel healing it up, you know, and cheating to win, then, you know, then, you know, the referee backstage comes out, you know, talks with the original referee, say, hey, this is what happened, I saw it, and referees actually had some kind of pull back then, unlike nowadays, and, the, right. and you know, like you said, you know, then the you know, decision was reversed by, you know, because of disqualification. Mm-hmm. So I had to rate this match pretty much just solely on, the last few moments of the match and what happened after the match. Yeah, the, you know, the matches in, in the whole, in general, um, you can tell the taping is going on, right? Because these uh, matches are definitely not quite as good as uh, the the last. Yeah. So, and, well, yeah, well, 
well, you know, since we're talking about the tape, you know, as I mentioned at the end of the show, but yeah, this tape had happened with the last episode we reviewed, episode 51 from last week, which happened December 7th, 1982. So this this aired about a week or so after it got taped. Right, right on. So yeah, we uh, and then we see which one thing I did appreciate was we see a replay of the highlights of the match that we just saw and how Brooks got himself disqualified. Yeah, Beverly, let's let's go to a quick commercial break. Okay, let's do it. Promotional consideration paid for by the following. Can I get one of those woo tickets? Excuse me. One of those woo tickets. It's not woo. It's Introducing Ric Flair's new woo scratch off ticket for the North Carolina Educational Lottery with a top prize of $100,000. It's enough to make anyone say And welcome back. Hello, hello. Hope you enjoyed the commercial break. We are back and we are ready to jump into a promo featuring H&H Enterprises here. Okay, I, I did note it later, so I know I noticed with the still shots, the PowerPoints from this episode, I sh- I probably should know this since, you know, this is our third WCCW episode we review, that we, we reviewed and podcasted. Tell me about the H&H Enterprises, Beverly Hills. Okay, it's Gary Hart and Armand Hussein. Um, you know, when we, when we read, or read, when we watched that other episode, Armand Hussein had spoiled alert broken away from Gary Hart, but in this one, they are together. It's interesting to see a faction with two, um, two heel managers together, but that's what we have here. And, uh, yeah, they're just working. They're just managing some heels, you know, creating some dirty deeds. It's kind of make, makes sense. Then, yeah. The, yep. uh, how Hart first led the interview. He yep. seems to be talking very slow. <laughs> that is his style, brother. Then uh, who was Gary Hart interviewing Beverly Hills? Well, it's him and Armand Hussein. Okay. Yeah, I did not the, catch Hussein's the other name. H of, the other H of the H&H Enterprises, if you I, will. I didn't catch his name. Yes, and he's asking him about what went down uh, during that first um, David Von Erich and uh, Kabuki match. And, tell, and us yeah. what, tell us what happened in this interview, Beverly Hills. Well, well he, asks, he asks Armand, he did... Did you see anything bad happen, brother, during the last match? And Armand Hussein goes, I can, I have very good vision. I can see through muddy waters to clear land, which I absolutely love that line. And he says that he did not see any interference. He did not interfere um, and that everything was on the up and up. Um, So, yeah, (laughs) I I loved it. And uh, then we end with the great line, "Good night, sweet Lucy." <laughs> you know, from from Gary Hartwich, yes. I wrote wrote down you know, Hart saying, "Good night, sweet Lucy," <laughs> and all that, which yes. which makes me laugh. And just you know, I love love how you just pronounce you know said that line, Beverly Hills. And I just wonder, you know, like I try I try to do my Jesse Ventura. Um, my, my my Jesse Ventura, you know, voice and all that. I just wonder how Jesse Ventura would say it, Jack. Good night, sweet Lucy. Just, <laughs> that, that's pretty accurate, I think. That's pretty good. Just, just that line just brings a smile to my face, Beverly Hills. Awesome. And then when we go back to Bill Mercer, then then, he, then we go to David Von Erich. Right. How uh, David Von Erich mentions that he... Learned sleeper holds the sleeper hold from his mentors. Yep, and all that. So yeah, you all come on. You know, to me, David von Erich looked very pissed off in this interview. <laughs> okay, that's really the only note I wrote down about this interview. That David von Erich, you know, learns to learn the sleeper hold from mentors, and he looked pissed off. Yeah, I didn't have a ton of notes from this one either. It's just your basic promo, you know, just that he's gonna get. Our revenge on Kabuki for all the kind of shady business. So yeah, then we go to a commercial break and we, and we see another PowerPoint slide, which I really love. And it said, "Bugsy and Madrill get the rematch against H and H Camp." Yes. And then we come back. We, we see some uh, a video from past actions 
for this next match, Beverly Hills, do you take any notes about the video that we that we see? The video did not. Okay, I didn't nope. either. Nope. Then we go Al Al Mildred Madrid Al Madrid Al Madrid and Bugsy McGraw for the checkmate in Magic Dragon. Yes, I know that Al and the Dragon start out the match. Mm-hmm. And I feel like those checkmate is the man of a million holds, says yes. Bill Mercer. I know that uh, I assume is the Dragon and Mad Madrill do a lot of uh, chain wrestling and technical moves. Uh huh. Which I very very like. Now I mentioned kind of a little bit last week in the episode, chain wrestling, you know the European kind of style wrestling is something I something I really really enjoy. Okay. So, listeners, if there's any th- shows or matches that you want us to see, want us to review for the podcast, you know, hit us up and let us know, and we'll review it. <laughs> so, do you? Ha- yeah, I feel like there, we see some more stalling in this match. <clears throat> okay. Which I put in all caps lock with a couple explanation marks. More stalling. In. I had to hit my server bell because I just checked out of the match because <laughs> of that. Now, would you? Now, would you maybe say, so Checkmate begs off a lot. He doesn't want to get involved. Would you maybe say that Checkmate is a scaredy cat? Well, I can say that since we uh, were talking about his his uh, mask last week. <laughs> Come on, you're the king of puns. I don't even get a chuckle out of you for that one. Ha, 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 ha. I was going to get a good one and you just go, oh, yeah, we were talking about the cat mask. <laughs> Come on, dude. Trying to set you up here and you don't even give me anything. You know something, Jack? If you want something, the only thing you gotta do is ask, dude. (laughs) All you have to do is ask. And if you want nothing, you're gonna get nothing. Daddy-o. Alright, whatever. Whatever. We Checkmate gets tagged in and puts on the hammer lock on Al. And we get a go, Al, go. Go, Al, go. go. From an old man with a white beard in the front row. My favorite. That's my favorite. Okay, okay. now I know who you're talking about. Yeah, that that old guy with the white beard. I really like his white beard. Yes. And then Checkmate gets cornered by Al in the rain and Bugsy on the apron, which I find to be very, very funny. And Bugsy was doing total illegal moves, grabbing Checkmate's mask. And I can't remember if you mentioned this or not, but... Mercer said that Checkmate is a European heavyweight champion. Yeah, I don't know about that. Okay. <laughs> he may be European. I don't know about being the champion or not. Okay, well, he mentioned that, and I wanted to ask. Right. So, yeah, uh, their Checkmate did some dirty antics and pulled some hair and tagged <laughs> Dragon back into the match. Yep. So, yeah, then yeah, then they do some battle. And I, my next one was Checkmate got gets tagged back in. And he put on some kind of a hammer lock, arm lock, and brings Al down to the mat and kicks him in the ribs a few times. <laughs> yeah. And Al was able to get up, get out by punching, punching him and all that, punching Chuckmate in the face. Hey. Then Dragon got got tagged back in and all that, and Dragon was attacking Al in the corner, and Bugsy ran in. To start the attack, but the referee had to kick him out because he was the legal man. Right. I want to do a little rewind because yeah. when they were working on Al's arm, we got some great lines from Al Madrill, such as, My arm! Ha, ha, ha. No. <laughs> ha, 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 ha. He did a lot of that. Was he getting <laughs> tickled? <laughs> he just a lot of, ha, ha, my arm! Well, I'm happy I didn't catch that, so... <laughs> I'm happy you caught that, Beverly. <laughs> I'm sorry. So, yeah, then. so Al, Al finally squirted around, got Bugsy in, came with punches, some knee wiggles, some dancing. Yeah, I noted that, yeah, Bugsy tagged in, got tagged in and started to hulk up a little bit. Yeah. I guess he was working out all his bugs. <laughs> yeah. Uh... Mercer keeps calling Bugsy the man child, which made me laugh. Which I can kind of see. He's got the mind of a child. Which I can kind of see, yeah. (laughs) Then I might as well get into the finish of the match. Then uh, Bugsy uh, did a nasty looking sunset flip from the corner under Dragon. (laughs) It was so slow. It was the slowest sunset flip ever. 
then checkmate tries to run in to break up and and oh yeah before checkmate even runs in the referee doesn't even go down to count start the count like that bothers the hell out of me so in checkmate um, What's Bronco that? is known. Bronco is known for being a super lazy ref. Okay. And he will actually sometimes he didn't do it in this one, but sometimes he's instead of slapping the mat, he slaps his leg. That, that's he's, funny. The, he's that lazy. You talked about him not going down to start the count. Sometimes he won't ever go down. He'll just slap his leg instead. Can I explain? Well, so the lazy referee, the other one, yes. checkmate comes running running in to try to break up the pin then. Al jumps over the top rope and hits his own sunset flip for the pinning combination, and this is what pissed me off about this match, Beverly Hills. For sure, right? The lazy referee counted the legal men for the pinfall victory. <laughs> neither of them was the legal man, right? Like, neither Bugsy or neither Al or um, the one he pinned. Because it seemed like the, the lazy referee was looking more towards them than the legal guys, which, even though the legal guy was, you know, I guess you could see, was had his shoulders pinned, but still, it rubbed me yeah, off the wrong way. The that, illegal guys. Yeah, it the, was crazy. The, the referee just pissed me off. I know, I know. Bronco is terrible. So uh, the winners were Al Madrid and Bugsy McGraw. Right. I read this match four fifths of a star, Beverly. Yeah, I'll go. I'll go three quarters of a star. Yeah, I have nothing more to say uh, uh, about this match. Uh, uh, uh. And then we see a replay of the highlights of the match. And yep. Mercer's this is one thing that made me laugh during the replay. Mercer does not even know what to call the sunset flip. <laughs> Who does that remind you of? Who sometimes forgets the names of boys? I was just going to say that. It reminded me that Bill Mercer reminds me of Beverly Hills. I wonder if you two are some kind of friends or something. You two must have talked between last podcast and this episode, dude. Oh, my gosh. I'm just, oh, no. I'm getting lumped in with Bill Mercer. How bad am I? Would you rather be considered, you know, be lumped in with Bill Mercer or lumped in with Greta Monsoon? Oh gosh, I don't know. Or be loved in with Bronco. That'd be the worst of yeah. all. You're not you're not that lazy, Beverly Hills. You just Thanks, you like you mentioned a couple weeks ago, you're you're not the moves guy, so you, <laughs> which is fine. You're the history dude. You you help carry the match when I'm the moves dude and all that. And I'm the I, I like to bring I I'm the moves and color dude. Yeah, right, right. So on, yeah, right we on. see another PowerPoint slide with the action from from the match that we just saw, and on the text saying Carey versus Flair. Opin- other opinions next. Yep. So because of that, Beverly Hills. Let's go to another quick commercial break. Promotional consideration paid for by the following. It takes a lot to be the man. If you need to brush up on your styling and profiling, <laughs> even your knife hand chop, then you might be. Woo! University material. But if you think you're ready for the Woo! Right now, then check out the Woo! Two scratch-off game from the North Carolina Education Lottery. That's enough to make anyone say Woo! Come on! Woo! And again! Woo! And we're back, Daddy-O, from the commercial break. I hope you guys enjoyed that sponsors. Yeah. Get the sponsors going. Yes. Then Bill Mercer welcomes us back and puts over the main event. He talks about the bounty that Flair, quote-unquote, put on Carrie Von Eric. Yep. Then we, then we have a little uh, WCCW dudes talking about that main event. You know, kind of saying who they think is going to win the NWA title in the cage match in a few weeks. Bundy talks about, you know, the title match and all that, and he put over Flair's experience, and he believes Rick Flair will win that match. Yes. Then Al, Al Madrid, Madrill, whatever, and his yep. Elvis shirt comes yes. on and talks about the match. That Elvis shirt is ridiculous. It says, love me tender on it. <laughs> yes. Beverly Hills, I think you might know what, what I might get you for Christmas. You know who would love actually love that shirt would be Mrs. Beverly Hills. She's a huge Elvis fan. Love me tender, <laughs> love me true. 
<laughs> then, awesome. then, uh, let's see. Yeah, he says that he's trained with uh, Carrie, and he thinks, you know, he's faced Ricky Flair, and he thinks that Carrie's got it in the bag. He thinks Carrie's going to win. Then, uh, okay. I wrote down some co- some cowboy shows up. Oh, that's a. Uh, you know, he that's actually a, a feller from Minnesota. Is he? Yep, that's a Wild Bill Irwin. Okay. He puts over Ric Flair. Yep. Then Bugsy showed up. <laughs> yeah, Bugsy. And he said that in pro wrestling, you want to be called number one. And that is to win the world heavyweight title. That's all I wrote about what Bugsy said. Well, Bugsy's an idiot, so. Yeah. Then Checkmate shows up. Yeah, yeah. Checkmate had an interesting promo where he actually said that Carrie was going to win, which is weird for the heel to say. But yeah, that's what I thought too. Yeah, yeah. He mentions that Von Erich's going to win and all that. Then we see the video package from Flair and Daddy from Von Erich from last week. Yep, they're guys, pretty much like verbatim, like the whole thing. Yeah. So if you guys want to hear that promo, you guys can listen to last week's episode, which we dropped that promo in. Right. And we have another PowerPoint with a past match with Von Erich and Flair saying, next, all Asian heavyweight title. Yes. Can H&H keep the title? Yes. Beverly Hills, this rubbed me the wrong way. Okay. What's the point of, of the guys in the production truck putting that up if... No, well, I guess that... that well, no, Magic Dragon didn't walk with a, with a title... But what's the point of having a title match when it seems like the guys from the production truck puts puts the title down like that? Okay. At least yeah. I, at least I thought with that PowerPoint slide, it seemed like the production guys from the production truck are saying that the all Asian title is worthless or meaningless. And so why go after it? Huh. Okay. Interesting. At least that's what what I felt felt about that. Okay. I understand. I get it. So, then, uh, yeah, then Hussein or Hussan or whatever brings down uh, the Great Kabuki. Right. So we get the, yeah, ooh, yes, okay. I'm confused. I am at half breath. That, oh, uh, sorry, buddy. That this is the all Asian championship match, and this yes. is the <laughs> main event of the night. Just because you get after me about this. Last week, going a little early, Beverly Hills. This is the main event of the night. You got it, man. All Asian champion, Great Kabuki, defending this title against David Von Erich in a 45-minute time limit match. <laughs> and I am happy this match should not go 45 minutes. <laughs> yeah, right on. Me too. So, yeah, then uh, I wanted to ask you, Beverly Hills. Yes, sir. What is up with the swords that Great Kabuki had? I don't know what's up with the swords, because he's just the fabulous great Kabuki brother. Okay, I know we were kind of talking about with the guys in the opening match, and I know I've heard of the great Kabuki before, and, and what I can recall, all the times I've seen him perform was on, on WCCW television. Oh, really? Okay. Tell me more about the great Kabuki. Um, he's a Japanese wrestler, uh, most known to us for his time in uh, WCCW, but okay. also certainly wrestled in uh, WCW or NWA, I guess, kind of toward the end of the 80s. Um, just, you know, kind of known for this uh, kind of being the mysterious uh, man from Japan, uh, doing all this kind of crazy stuff, spitting the mist, all that stuff. Is he somehow... Ever been tied in with the Great Muda? Uh, I want to say that um, they were together in uh, NWA in the late 80s when Gary Hart had the, what was it called, JTEX Corporation. I think they were both in that. Okay. Well, just just wanted to ask because a little bit that we've seen of the Great Kabuki on on the podcast, I feel like he's kind of... Doing a similar character to the Great Muda. Yeah, yeah. Yep, and, what, and what we'll see with the jury later on in the WWF. Sure, yep. It's kind of all that kind of same vein, yes. Stereotyping yep. Japanese wrestlers. Oh, yeah, definitely, right. So we might as well get, in, get into this main event of the night. 
that uh, David Von Erich had the early advantage, smashing his smashing uh, the Kabuki's head in the turnbuckle and hit a beautiful, beautiful drop kick. And Bill Mercer even shouts out, a knee drop across the head. <laughs> and like, if that actually happened, that would hurt a lot, Mercer. Yeah, it would. Yeah, it would. But yeah, then it seemed like the, the great Kabuki, uh, it seemed like whenever the great Kabuki had the advantage, the pace of the match seemed to slow down a little bit. Oh yeah, he is a he is a definitely a slow worker, for sure. I guess it doesn't help out the Kabuki when he when he had a nerve hold on David Von Erich. Right. And I was confused last week, Beverly Hills, when I was asking about the, when it was the Kevin Von Erich versus King Kong Buddy match, main event match. Okay. I was confused with the spot that we see in this match. Okay. Kabuki put on a armpit claw. Oh, this is the armpit claw. Okay. Yeah, Kabuki works. He does that a lot where he does um, claws on different parts of the body. He'll do a stomach claw a lot of the, a lot of times. As you see here, he does the um, the armpit claw. He's kind of known for that, weirdly. I wanted to ask, would the armpit claw hurt? I think if you dug your fingers in, you could definitely hurt somebody. I guess, yeah, With the, if they, had, they hadn't uh, clipped their fingernails in, yeah. in a while. Or even if you really just got your fingers in, I could see it hurting. Yeah, yeah when you put that on, I was trying to think of how, well, I guess, you know, like I said, uh, you know, I went to, you know, I'm, the, I'm a philosopher of the podcast, I'm a log, yes. logician. I was trying, yes. to fi- yeah. trying to figure out how that would hurt. And I don't really <laughs> think of anything in Beverly Hills. Yeah, you know, I don't know if it would be one that would put you out, but it might hurt. You just yeah. probably you're like, ah, oh, wow, what's going on? And I, and I guess another move I wanted was kind of questioning was that David, David Von Erich got out of the claw armpit and put on a stomach claw on ka, the kabuki. <laughs> yeah, there you go. I That's what you're talking about, the stomach claw. I can see the stomach claw hurting more than the armpit claw. Yeah, I mean, I don't know. That's just me, though. Sure. Then let's see. Then yeah, the yeah von Eric. No, yeah, von Eric had the semi claw. Yeah, see, yeah, that's Alice after the armpit claw, which makes me laugh that there's body part claws going on. <laughs> then, yeah, the Kabuki put on another nerve hold. Now, oh yeah, I I've, I noted with that with that nerve the second nerve hold that von Eric sold that pretty good. Sure. Which I was very very impressed with. Nice. Let's see. Yeah, David von Eric. Got out of, out of the nerve hold and nailed a knee lift. Okay. And tried to put on, put the claw on again. Yeah, I feel like with the main event from last week, this week, it was, you know, can the Von Erich brother put on the claw? Then he got it on. Yep, exactly. That's, got, all, that's usually the story with the Von Erichs. Can you get the claw on? Yep. And then David, David got the claw on on Kabuki. When Kabuki was right by the ropes, which I felt was pretty stupid because <laughs> Kabuki got the ropes. But David Von Erich brought him back to the center of the ring with the claw still on and only got a two count. Then Kabuki got out of the claw by raking the face of the baby face. <laughs> yeah. Then David Von Erich hit a flying high knee, which knocked Kabuki down, which I thought was very, very nice. And then David Von Erich got on another claw, but as he fell backward, not. Getting knocked out, knocking down the referee. And the manager jumped in to hold David Von Erich. But David was smart, dot, and the manager got misted. Then we hear the bell. Yeah. So the winner is David Von Erich. <laughs> Very good. To a finish, I was wondering, wondering about, but we got later. Okay. After, the, after the replay. So okay. Beverly, I ready this match. One and three, four star. I went two and one half stars on this. I one. wanted to ask you, you know, was yes, this sir. Von Eric main event compared to the Von Eric match main event match that we saw last week in the episode? Which one do you think was better? I liked the King Kong Bundy one better. Yes, same here. And I don't know. It's kind of apples to oranges because I do. I think King Kong Bundy's better than Great Kabuki. Um, so it's hard, it's hard to say, you know, is David better than Kevin or vice versa? Because I think, I think Bundy is better than Kabuki. So, yeah. Yeah. Then, yeah, we see a replay of the highlights of the match. Then, yeah. yeah then, yeah, David Von Eric 
won the match, but Bud did not win the title. Yep. Which we'll hear after the commercial break. Then we go to a commercial break with another PowerPoint slide saying, Next week, the Reunion Arena, Star Wars. Yeah, right on. Then, yeah, then we come back with Bill Mercer, and Bill Mercer said that David Von Erich won, but he won by disqualification, meaning that he does not win the All-Asian title, which goes oh. back to my point earlier about why in the hell would the production truck question <laughs> why in the hell David would, would want the All-Asian title. <laughs> I don't know. Maybe they thought he didn't want the All-Asian title because like, he wasn't going to go to Asia to defend it or something. I don't know. Fair enough. I don't know, I guess that kind of rubbed me off the wrong way. Like, why put the title down when, you know, when any title could mean something? Sure. Then, uh, let's see, then, then uh, Bill Morris put over the reunion, the reunion Arena Star Wars that I guess will be taped later on that we will cover in the next two podcasts. Okay. And then uh, Mercer closes the show saying that he'll see us next time a world-class championship wrestling. <laughs> And Bill, you, you will see us next time. You will. You got it, man. We'll be here all week. <laughs> yes. And actually, we'll be here for another two weeks too, Bill. Yep. Thank you very much. Yep. And Beverly Hills, let's hit up our sponsors one more time for the episode. Promotional consideration paid for by the following. Most people have the right impression about the World Wrestling Federation. We are a violent form of entertainment. We always use sex to enhance our image. You know, as athletes, we couldn't give a monkey's ass about being good role models. We're not wholesome. Family. Entertainment. Trying to make the world a friendly place for mankind. Have a nice day. WWF Attitude. Get it? So, what do you want to do? I don't know. What do you want to do? You boys a bit bored? Step into it! Step into a Slim Jim! Tear to the spice! Make me just a taste! Hey, nice! Antique! Step into it! Need a little excitement? Step into a Slim Jim! And welcome back to the thrilling conclusion of Main Event Status Radio. Here we are. Take it away, Mr. Dog. Okay, just like last week, Beverly Hills, I'm going to Pearl Harbor you once again. Oh, gosh. I want this to be a trending story on the podcast. Okay. The what can and cannot work from what we just watched. All right. I hope you took some notes from this last week, Daddy-o. Took a few. Good. Because I want to get your thoughts on a few things that I felt like could or could not work from what we saw in WCCW in 1982 to pro Russell wrestling in 2014. Hey, hit me, brother. I know we kind of talked about this a little bit during the podcast, but you mentioned wins and losses mattering. Or uh-huh. no, should they matter? And you mentioned it earlier with the first with the first match. Yep. But, and it's like nowadays, wins and, losses, wins and losses don't matter. Oh, gosh, no, they completely don't. And so that's something that, you know, like you said, kind of that, that bothers me a lot that when John Cena loses a world title, the next night on Raw he comes out, he lasts it off, whatever, there'll be another world title in the future. Yep, or, for instance, this last pay-per-view, he lost, and the night after he was named, or whatever it was, Seth Rollins beat him, and then it comes back, and he got a... um number one contender match and now he's the number one contender right yeah, you know, yeah, it doesn't matter yeah 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 that he wanted to face south rollins because Rollins screwed him with the world title at night of champions and him and dean ambrose you know fought a contract in the pole match to face south rollins at the hell in a cell pay-per-view and dean won and yeah it seemed just laughed it off whatever and, and the loser was going to face randy orton at hell in a cell and the winner of orton for Cena would become the number one contender like Okay, so the loser gets the number one contendership. How, how, that does make sense. Right, exactly. Then I guess the next thing is heels breaking the rules. And how, right. we, how we mentioned, you know, that the referee got after the heels in this, during this episode when they were raking the eyes, breaking the rules. It's like nowadays the rules are very relaxed in WWE in 2014. Yeah, and I think that's a byproduct of the Attitude Era. 
Fair enough. Where they were, where they were extremely relaxed, and now I think we've came back a little bit, but we haven't gotten to the point of the eighties. Can we? Is there a way we can come back to enforcing the rules? It's just, it's just got to start. You know, you just, uh, you just got to start doing it. I think there's a way. I think um, I'd probably do it by some new person in charge. Makes you know, sense. stepping forward and doing and saying we are going to enforce the rules, yada yada yada, and get to that point. So it'd, be, it'd be pretty difficult to just like out of the blue without saying anything, just start doing it. So I think you have to have some type of reasoning for it. Yeah, because I know a couple of weeks ago, Miss McMahon came back on Raw and announced that you know at the main event of of uh, Survivor Series would be Team Authority versus Team Cena, and okay. Vince put up put on the line that if Team Authority loses, Stephanie and Triple H, I guess on television, loses their stroke. Okay. And, and uh, uh, there was rumors for WrestleMania 30, but fe- plans fell through, and it sounds like they might bring back the original plans for WrestleMania 30 for 31 on having Triple H defending the honor of him and Stephanie against a guy that Vince would choose for WrestleMania 31 on who has the ultimate authority in the WWE. Oh, okay. And it sounds like, you know, how it was teased that might be The Rock versus Triple H or WrestleMania 31, or whoever, really? whoever Vince picks and whoever wins would, you know, have authority. I think it'd be cool to have, you know, say if Vince's guy wins, you know, Vince appointed a new general manager. And whoever okay. that whoever that authority guy is sure. starts enforcing the rules once again. <coughs> sure, yeah. But that's just my idea. I guess one more of uh, this uh you know, comparing then to now on what could or could not work is okay. the body claws. <laughs> I am no, big on those body claws. I, I feel like those body claws are kind of boring and, I, and all that. I guess, what's your thoughts on if body claws as spots could work nowadays? No, I don't think in, in any way. It's We're way too into a realistic thing, and those are some of the most unrealistic um, things in general. I just I don't think we can we could ever go to that. Okay. Do you feel like we could go back to have somebody having the claw as a finisher again? Oh gosh, I don't know. Maybe. Okay. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. What, wanted to ask. I don't so know, we might it's well, worth that. So we might as well go to the jobber and the main event star for the episode. Beverly, who do you have as a, your jobber? Oh, you know, I hate to say it again. My job is Bronco Lubitsch. Oh, for being a lazy referee? Yes, he sucks. He's the worst. Yeah, this time it's actually for his refereeing ability. And uh, just he's, he doesn't follow the rules. He's not, we're talking about enforcing. He's not enforcing the rules because he doesn't know who the legal people are. <laughs> yes. My jobber <laughs> is David Von Erich. Oh, really? For not winning the all-Asian title. <laughs> my main eventer is David Vonnegut. <laughs> Tell us why, Beverly. Because I thought he had a good match. He had the best match on the card, and uh, he his promo was all right. I, I, he's my main eventer. He just looked pissing in, in his um, promo, dude. All right, who's your main eventer? Chuck Mate. Chuck Mate, awesome. <laughs> For calling Ric Flair, Ricky Flair. Ricky Flair. That was a high. That was a highlight for me, I and I and I laughed, 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 laughed all week because of that, Beverly. For for being the best athlete from the Isle of Man. Yes, and for calling Ricky Flair Ricky Flair because I never <laughs> remember anybody calling Ricky Flair Ricky Flair. <laughs> oh come on! Well, you haven't watched enough Gary Hart promos because he always calls him Ricky Flair. I do not know if I'll ever consider Gary Hart my main event star, though, Jude. Dude. Uh, Ricky Flair. So we must well do our top five for this week. And Beverly, you're the one that chose the top five, and tell us why. Well, okay. Uh, I chose top five because uh, Bronco Lubich is pure just dog crap. Um, one of the worst referees of all time. So I want to do top five referees just to get that taste out of our mouth and talk about refs that we like. Okay. Do you want me to start or do you want to start, Beverly? I want I want to start. Okay. Who's your number five? My number five, going to WCW, 
Um, a, all by all accounts, an awesome person, a great you know human being taken away from his friends and family way too soon. That'll be Mark Curtis, and I liked his his matches uh, that he would ref. It was usually good stuff. I had to ring the bell because I totally didn't think about him, and I fully agree with you. Because yep. was it him or was it Randy Anderson that we watched? I think probably was WCW Capital Combat '90 that that he was fighting with Jim's Cornette. Um, that's going to be Randy Anderson. Okay. Well, I can see Mark Hurst even doing the same thing. Yep, and I could too because he apparently did a lot of wrestling, uh, also as the Great Ninja Turtle in Memphis. <laughs> that's funny. That that I want to watch if if we can locate. An episode of Ninja Memphis Turtle. for week, with him wrestling. I'll love to review that. Awesome. My number five, keeping it with WCW. My number five is Nick Patrick. Oh, okay, cool. Just because he was the senior referee in WCW and got brought in with the invasion, Storyline was a lead w, lead SmackDown referee for a while, and his mustache I thought was pretty groovy back then when he had the mustache, <laughs> and is. with the NWO storyline he well, I know if he was the only referee to have a storyline jumping over to the nwo and wearing a ski mask when he <laughs> when, when he refereed yes so i know right nick on. patrick gets pooped pooped on and you know, on different podcasts but i just you know i just love that for love that you know with nick patrick's mustache and wearing a ski mask when he was the heel referee like at least he did try to do something different when he was supposed to be the bad guy referee yeah, yeah. I've never been a huge, huge fan of uh, um, of Nick Patrick, but I see all the all the things that that you see there. Well, I um, wasn't yeah. really never been a fan of him, you know. Well, you know me for you know the late you know late nineties to mid two thousands, and when we lived together and watched wrestling together during our college days. Right. You know, I'm a big fan of knowing my referees back then. And I yes. was always excited to see Nick Patrick right away and say his name. So I guess, yeah, whenever yeah. I see a Nick Patrick match, it kind of reminds me of the good old days of the 90s into, you know, the college days, you know, having a bunch of friends coming <laughs> over and watching Raw together and all Couldn't that. Have. Cool. So all right, who, my number four, my who, number four is, uh, I believe, the aforementioned Randy Anderson. Good. Uh, good choice. Yep, I like some like some Randy Anderson stuff. I like that match you're talking about where he's getting involved with uh, um, James Z, you know, fighting uh, fighting it out with him. Um, always solid, good stuff. My number four is Jimmy Corderas. Cool. Just because, uh, you you know, just well, just because the Dirty Dog Moved Up podcast before on on the podcast, J- Jimmy Corderas. Did a, uh, co-hosted a podcast for a long time, uh, right away after Raw, you know that on up mm-hmm. in Canada, which was fun to listen to with Art Cal. Who's is that not on anymore? No, that's not on anymore. They stopped oh. doing that for I don't know why, but they stopped doing that a long time ago. Well, I I mean I know one reason. Well, uh, Art Cal now works for WWE. I was gonna say that, yeah, because Art Cal is now Kyle Edwards. Yeah, which. And, uh, too bad for him. Sorry that you have a uh, a name that is not Anglo Saxon in origin. Going to yeah. have to get changed. That's too bad. So uh, if, you, if, you want, if you guys want to follow uh, Kyle Edwards, aka Arno Cal on the on the Twitter machine, it's Kyle Edwards WWE. Yeah, right, right. But you know, I I really liked you know those both their opinions on the podcast when they had a podcast and you know, all that you know, with with you know. Arda, you know, doing like Rena Nelson and all that for, you know, the Toronto area wrestling promotions and Jimmy DeCordero being a former referee, you know, he had a different viewpoint that most fans didn't see, you know, with him being a former referee, it was interesting seeing a former referee getting his opinion on current wrestling. Right. Then also, you know, Jimmy DeCordero being the man who was in the ring the tragic night when Owen Hart died. Mm, okay. So that I had to... Plug Jimmy Cordero as one of my one of my top referees because of his having a podcast for a long time and because of that tragic night. Cool. Who's your number okay. three, Beverly? Uh, uh, 
my number three is Mickey J from WCW and then into uh, WWE as well. Kind of just one of those. Uh, um, he's it's kind of nondescript, but he's he had some good points and never was mad to see him come out as the ref. Whereas in in SmackDown. Uh, during those days where it was either him and Nick Patrick, was not usually too happy to see Nick Patrick, was a lot happier to see Mickey J. Was Mickey J. Uh, referee for the ECW brand when the WWE brought that back for a while? Could have been, do not remember. Fair enough, because I only watched ECW probably the first like six months that WWE brought it in as a brand, then I quit watching like the first semester I was in college. Right. After Big Show lost the world title, but that's besides the point. My number three was probably one of the mo- one of the rough rates I used to get excited about Beverly Hills when we lived together. Okay, Mike Yoda. Oh, cool! Just yep. because you know he was a long time WWE referee. I think he's still around nowadays a little bit yes, off, off and on, and you know it was always fun going back. I watched like the early nineties WWF, and I remember us watching that 90, 1993 King of the Ring pay per view and. Seeing so, you know, the rough, WWF referees wearing the blue long sleeve shirts and the black bow ties, and seeing right. Mike, a very young and different looking Mike Kyoto with a mullet. Yes, sir. And it's just always fun seeing Mike Kyoto with his elbow pad in the mid 2000s and, <laughs> and me yelling out, Mike Kyoto, Mike Kyoto, and all that, and having real friends come over for Raw when we lived together. And yeah, everybody always laughed, and whatever, I got excited to see Mike Kyoto. So, oh Mike gosh, Kyoto has love, to be my was... number three. Love the elbow pad. I remember you talking about the elbow pad all the time. Yes. Well, my number two is my Kyoto. <laughs> For much of the same reasons. He's has awesome longevity. He's it's he's not gotten lazy like Bronco Lubich. Uh I like seeing him. It's good stuff. That's my number two, my Kyoto. My number two is the evil twin from Dave or Earl Hebner. <laughs> Cool. Because, well, I'll talk about the, the being the evil twin later. But I remember hearing, I think in books, in reading his book or in interviews that Mike Shawn Michaels has done. But whenever Shawn Michaels was in the WWE, when Earl Hebner was still around, Michaels always requested having Earl Hebner as his referee. Oh, interesting. Because he always trusted Earl Hebner and oh. talked about being the evil twin. I do not know any other referee in the modern era, I guess since the 80s, on a national stage that screwed over two different people for the WWF title. Sure. First being the Hulkster brother, second being Bret Hart. Got it. Just saying. You got it. Who's your number one, Beverly Hills? All right, man. My number one is the great Jimmy Corderas. Um, For all the things that you mentioned, but also... Um, he was a key part to my favorite ref-based storyline, the ref strike of 99. Yep, love yeah, that, that story. That we've line. talked about with the fourth episode of SmackDown that we covered. You got it. Jimmy Corderas was the scab ref. Loved it. I thought he did a great job in his role. I need to feed my family. Classic. He's my number one. Talk about classics. I'm surprised Earl Hebner never appeared on your list. No, I don't really like Earl. That's fine. <laughs> I am surprised you never said who was my number one. Ooh, okay, do it. Ooh. Oh, I know. I thought about it when you were talking about my Kyoto. I was like, oh, no, I forgot. My oh, number I one. forgot this guy. My number one is Charles Robinson. Yes, yes. Being known for being, you know, the little nature boy. And as, you know, to spoil it for everybody, we recorded this a week before, week or so before it dropped. Yes. And as of us recording this, I'm checking my, check my phone, Beverly Hills. I'm checking Twitter. <laughs> and according to my phone, 952 days ago, <laughs> Charles Robinson dropped a line on my Twitter inbox. I recall this. It was awesome. So yeah, when this podcast drops, it would be about almost 960 days ago for for the famous WrestleMania match between Sheamus and Daniel Bryan. 
on on April first, twenty twelve, I tweeted Correct. Charles Robinson at WWE Robinson, asking him which match he's going to be refereeing that night at WrestleMania. He direct messaged me, <laughs> saying, "Sheamus versus Daniel Bryan." And seconds later, he tweeted, actually tweeted at me saying it'd be that match. So I think he got confused on how to reply back to people. But still, it makes me smile that he replied back to me twice, first drunk messaging me, then tweeted at me. Beautiful. Oh, my God. Loved it. I I remember that. I was I was so happy that Charles Robinson tweeted at you. I didn't know the story about the direct message. That yeah. makes it better. But yeah, it still makes me laugh, and, and as a running joke, you know, with, with Flying Brian and Sexy Pat that I mentioned on the podcast before, that whenever we go to you know past past guests on the episode, James Benson's plays for pay per views. Brian usually always asks me, "Hey, Dirty Dog, are you gonna tweet your favorite referee to see if he's roughing tonight?" <laughs> Brian always has to ask every pay per view if I'm gonna be doing that. Oh, awesome! And because you know, you know, being tied in with Ric Flair in the WCW days, and and tweeting at tweeting at me and all that, I love Charles Robinson. <laughs> Good stuff, man. So I guess was it next week? We'd be going to the reunion arena for Star Wars Part One. Yay! And all that. So we'll catch you guys next week. I am the Dirty Dog for Mister Beverly Hills. We'll see you next time on Main Event Status Radio. Good night, sweet Flary. Good night.